0: Hello and welcome to The Mentor, I'm Mark Burris. Now this week I'm joined by one of Australia's most recognisable faces from the health and fitness industry and her name is, here it comes, Michelle Bridges. Michelle is most famously known as a trainer from close to a decade working on The Biggest Loser and in 2010 Michelle founded the incredibly successful 12-week body transformation program, otherwise known as 12WBT. It's got a life of its own. With about 25 years in the fitness industry, Michelle has seen it all. And she's managed to build a very successful business and change so many lives in the process. To me, to some extent, she's actually started a movement in this country. I want to talk to her about how she started out right back from when she was a little girl. I want to see whether that little girl has actually changed, whether or not she's just a much more sophisticated version of who she was when she was 14. And I want to find out everything I can about 12WBT and also all the other things that she's got. She's got food, she does activewear. she's written books. Like she's a bit of a machine, but I'm going to try and break it down and get right to the heart of what drives this woman. So, let's get into it. Michelle Bridges, welcome to The Mentor.
1: Thank you. Very nice to, to be here.
0: I have to tell you, Michelle, time has stood still for you. I don't know, you look like... 10 years younger. You're
1: a charmer. I'm serious. (laughs) I'm serious. (laughs) It's the haircut.
0: (laughs) Or it's the food. I don't know what it is. It's (laughs) obviously, I mean, it's obviously exercise and food and all those other things, but you look wonderful. You look terrific.
1: That's very kind. Um, I have a toddler, so I I don't actually know how that's working for me, really, but, um, and a couple of businesses, and I keep myself pretty busy, but, you know, I'm glad to be here, frankly. I mean, what's the alternative?
0: Yeah, well, 100%. But your eyes look bright. I mean, you look really bright in your eyes. I mean, when well, I'm we were here talking... speaking
1: to you, Mark Boris. Ah, Come very on. Much.
0: Yeah, but, I, but <laughs> when I was talking to you earlier before we started recording this, and uh, I was just thinking to myself, this lady's eyes are so bright. like you, you actually look like you've just woken up and you've just had a, like, the world's best sleep, which I'm sure is probably not the case because you've got – how old's your baby now?
1: He's 2.7.
0: 2.7 years old. Well, you definitely would have had a really bright – So uh, is he at, at, uh, what do they call daycare yet?
1: No. Well, Uh, he does do a little, he does a a day a week. Day a week. But I I try to have him with me as much as possible. The one thing that everybody has always said to me since I fell pregnant was, uh, and it was the same, the same, the same, everyone, it goes so quickly. So I listened. Yeah. And I take that on. So I'm doing everything I can to make sure that I'm spending as much time with him as I possibly can.
0: That's, and I guess, because I know a lot of people, particularly a lot of women, who have a goal in their life um, to run their own business. And we'll talk about that in a moment because it's not as glamorous as everybody makes out to be. But w- one of the reasons they have that goal is so they have flexibility, whether it means um, working from home or you know, not having to work from necessarily from nine to five, et cetera, but it also gives them the flexibility if they have a child, they maybe can pick the child from daycare or alternatively they can pick him up from school and take him to, you know, Kumon or, you know, basketball court, uh, uh, lessons, et cetera. Is that something that ever drove you?
1: Never. Never. <laughs> I didn't even know if I was going to have a child. Um, I, it, it just didn't even go through my mind that, um, oh, this would be a great idea to – have your own business so that you can then have children and you can have your own, um, you know, flexibility. That was never in my mandate at all. In fact, having my own business kind of wasn't either. It, everything for me has really happened organically. Um,
0: Without a plan necessarily. You didn't sort of lay there hatching a plan. No. This is going to be Michelle Bridges no, in 20 no. years time from, you know, when you were 18 or whenever it was. No, in fact, I remember
1: thing. being at school thinking, oh, you know, like probably like every other kid at school, what am I going to do with my life? You know, and sometimes, Mark Boris, I wake up in the morning and say the same thing. Yeah, well, even now. I'm still
0: doing it. <laughs> so okay, let you talk about this. Let's, let's go back, and I, 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 I hope you don't mind me doing this, but let's go back to school. Um, let's go back to when you first started high school, year seven, you would have been 12 or 13 years of age. Yes. Um, Nelson Bay.
1: I actually started school in Newcastle, Newcastle, a high school in Newcastle, Lambton High, and then I went to Nelson Bay. But you've, you've got the uh, information quite correct there.
0: And uh, so so we're in Newcastle. Um, so you're a Newcastle girl.
1: I am, yes, yep. a Novocastrian.
0: A Novocastrian. And your mum and dad living at home with mum and dad?
1: I was living with my mum. mum? Uh, my parents had separated when I was four, my sister was nine. Um, and in the 70s, that was a big deal. Yeah, it was pretty rare. Yeah, totally. Especially Um, in a
0: place like Newcastle, like a sort of regional, more of a regional area in those days compared to today. And so
1: that was, um, uh, you know, when I fast forward from the time they separated through to getting ready for high school, I'd already moved a couple of schools through my primary years. Um, And then I had two moves in my high school years. Now... Being a kid that goes to school and moves around a little bit, you have to get some thick skin and learn some resilience real quick and understand how to fit in as fast as possible.
0: And you were the youngest kid in the family at that yeah. point? Yeah. So yeah. It's your, you and your older sister. That's right. With mum. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, do you mind if I ask a quick question? I mean, I know it might be probably you want to stop me here, but do, was dad still involved? Like, did you go and see dad or was... Yeah,
1: we had um, the weekends with him yeah, and okay. so on. Okay. Um, but mum... I mean, you know, it's, it was the 70s. I, I recall uh, the time when she was working and I was uh, still in primary school. She went back to work full time. And her boss back then in the 70s said, I know you got two kids. If they get in the way, you're fired.
0: Yeah. So, and, well, and 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 whilst they don't think, they're not allowed to say that today, they probably no, still that think that. No, that would
1: never happen but today. But they probably still
0: think it, but they just yeah. can't say so it. So she
1: just had to really just be on the ball as far as, getting her schedule and her diary and us organised and we would finish school and go to her work and wait for her there. And
0: Okay, because this is important. She's a get, very organised woman. She's an organised person because she had to be.
1: Absolutely.
0: Maybe naturally, but she had to be. And so... What did your mum do? What was her job? Like David- she was a secretary. Secretary, right? For
1: a real estate agent. So
0: she worked in an office. Yes. So it's probably opened at eight thirty and finished close at five thirty, and she had to get up get up early in the morning and get the two get girls us ready, ready for school. Ready,
1: dressed, and we sh- we always looked immaculate. Like we didn't have a lot, and we didn't have really much money at all. But mum was very particular about the house and about how we looked walking out the door.
0: And did your mum? Im- impose a set of rules in the house, okay, Michelle, your job is to do blah and your older sister's job is to yeah, do something. Or yeah. did she do everything for you?
1: I think a little bit of both because mum was quite particular with the way she liked the house, so she probably did a lot more because she liked it that a certain way. But we were instilled very quickly around chores and what needed to be done and um, we knew that, you know, it was her or, and that was it. Um So, yeah, I guess I I grew up watching uh, my mum being this woman that was kind of running the show. And, uh, you know, it's funny when I think back to it, my mum always said to me, she really instilled in me, you can do anything you want, you can be anyone you want and you don't need anybody to support you. Now I think that was probably coming from a woman that had gone through a divorce uh, in the 70s and was now having to raise two girls and whether she believed it, her for herself, I don't know. But she sold me on it, hook, line, and sinker.
0: Yeah. Do you and, know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. think she
1: just sold that to me.
0: And you saw it too.
1: Yeah, I thought you saw you saw, yeah. her, you
0: saw her execute that way. Yeah. And and pretty much then she raised you girls up until you know you, you decided to leave home. So, but during that period, when I read something somewhere that you said that when you were fourteen years of age, you put a deal to the school to start teaching. Other kids in the school who weren't necessarily participating in sport, teaching them how to be active. Yeah. Yeah. It was my
1: first business pitch. Okay.
0: So, (laughs) where does that stuff come from? That self starting stuff? Do you think it comes from mum being as uh, strong and as uh, strong willed and as self sufficient? As you just explained to us, or... I would
1: certainly say that played a big role. Um, my grandparents also played a very big role as well, and um, they were they were working class people. They had businesses. My grandmother was a real entrepreneur. She clipped poodles. She wrote for the local newspaper. She ran the kindy run. She did all these like little small business things. Uh, my grandfather uh, was a rat of Trebrook, um, and but he he was like the brawn. So Nan was the brains. He was the brawn, and they were made an an amazing couple between the two of them. And they played a really big role in my life. And fortunately, my mum was able to lean on them because, you know, you need to when you're a single parent to have that extra help and support. Uh, And they played, I think, a very big role in my growth of just how you kind of operate as a, a citizen.
0: And so that gave you some values, I guess, is what you're saying. Did you get sort of – because, you know, we, we we were just talking earlier about for the audience's sake, we're talking earlier about, you know, changing – Michelle took a view that she was going to do something with the big W in terms of her clothing line or not leisure wear. What do we call that stuff? Active wear. Active wear, okay. <laughs> um, And uh, as opposed to, say, doing it with any of the big names like Nike, etc. Um And to some extent it's um, – you know, I always wonder why people do that – apart from the commerce of it, I mean, just why would you go down to what let's call it a lower rung?
1: Sure, like A, a less socioeconomic,
0: economic rung or a less, certainly less aspirational rung. Um, and I always put it down to our upbringing. And I'm like that myself. I'm always going to, I always help out anybody. It doesn't matter. I, I'm not looking to help out the billionaires or the people with lots of money. I'm actually rather look out to people who've got nothing. I don't know why I get a buzz out of it. And a part of the problem with that is you don't even get paid for it because they've got nothing. But your, your, your. It's, just,
1: it's kind of it's it's in me, yeah.
0: So where did that come from? Where because it, to me that's a va- their values and standards. So did that come from your grandparents? Do you think? I think
1: it's from my mum, my grandparents, and it's basically you know who I am and where I've come from. Where working class people, we we, you know, we didn't really have a lot, but what we had, we made the most of it. Um, and I got a lot of love, even though you know my 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 parents broke up when I was young. I still felt very loved and very cared for, and very nurtured, uh, as well as having a lot of guidelines and parameters put on me, as much as I may have kicked and screamed about them, particularly when I was a teenager, uh, I was, I feel like I was given a lot of love and a lot of nurturing, uh, but it was, it was very working class, very working class. But I
0: think that, that bootstraps you well to me, to me anyway. I mean, I think when it, when it gets tough in business, because business is inevitably tough, um, that sort of. Resilience that you get being in a working class environment, whether it's with one parent or two parents, but that working class environment where you you just accept that you're not going to get everything that everyone else has, totally. that makes you resilient in business down the track. Because if you don't expect anything, then you're much you're much more likely to survive than if you're sitting around being ex- expecting things. You're like it's nearly like you're right. Everything's a privilege for working class people. For other people who don't have that advantage it become it's, it's a, it's more of a right. And I think. I love
1: how you say that's an advantage being working I th- class. I think, I think it
0: is an advantage. Well, you
1: have a different headspace. You just kind of dig in, roll your sleeves up and get on with it. Yeah. Um, and you know, when you talk about the word expectation, I always think when I see the word expectation, I always see then equals disappointment. Yeah. Because every time you have expectation, you usually end up disappointed. And that um,
0: takes away your resilience. Yeah. You, you fall flat. You go, oh my God, now what? I mean, and, and whereas if you're not expecting any outcome and, and you and you don't get an outcome, you're not okay. You just keep going. I mean, everything's about going one foot after the other. And like my parents, similar to yours, but my parents weren't divorced out together, but they were working class. But I think what you're saying to us is that what I always observed was my mum and dad always just taking one step after the other.
1: Yeah, that, uh, uh, that's all they could do. Yeah, that's all they like could do. literally, we had enough money to pay the rent. Get a little bit of food on the table. Often, you know, we we didn't have enough money for school uniforms, or we had to have a little bit of help and support. Um, you know, that's I, I I feel very privileged, I suppose, when when you think about it that we, that I got to experience that
0: hundred percent. You know,
1: my mom now seeing like it's it's kind of funny like she's still that woman, and so she gets to kind of come to Sydney and kind of see what I've been doing here for the last twenty odd years, and she gets overwhelmed by it she she's like oh it's too much i can't she gets a bit teary and I'm, i said mum, i'm still the same girl it's you know nothing's going to change and uh and as much as i love it and it's been great you know um the work and 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 what we've you know managed to accomplish um i still hold true to those those values yeah, the
0: values and 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 i, I know dad you um uh Push those values into your business, into your staff, and everything that you guys stand for. Can I go to Was Michelle Bridges ever go through a stage where she was Newcastle girl? So you know, down there in Hunter Street, having a few beers, um, <laughs> having a ciggy, uh, <laughs> hanging out with the, with the guys and the girls. And did you, I mean, did you go through one of those stages?
1: Oh, look, I think we were you
0: ever an order girl. We always a compliant girl.
1: I, I think I, overall, I've been a pretty good girl. Yeah. Um, overall, mom, uh, is yeah, she my mum would say different sometimes. I suppose, but uh, you know, like I, I remember being very, very into my sport and learning such great, uh, massive lessons, even from the ages of seven and eight. You know, commitment, discipline, um, being a team player, while striving to be a star performer. Uh, um, you know. Being responsible, being accountable, how to win, how to lose. So you're a competitor. Yeah, always. I loved it. I loved my sport. I loved the training and all of these wonderful principles that I'd learned at such a young age, um, and they were very strong in me. And I thought, wow, this is stuff I'm going to be carrying into my life, into my adult life. And then I think um, I started working and uh, I was 18, 19, and being the usual person that I am, I had three jobs. So I was working during the day and then I had a a job at night and, you know, I started going out. You know, we're talking 20. um, And I remember my sport and my athleticism slipped. And I remember thinking to myself at one point around that 20 age bracket, gosh, I feel like I had a more worldly, mature understanding of what was important when I was ten from the, the things that I'd learned in my sport. And that's when I thought I need to get back to that. You know, it's a moment in time. We all do it when we're 20. We go out and we have fun and, you know, uh and that, and that's when I went straight back to my sport again. And I went back to playing hockey and I went back to, back to playing netball and basketball and You know, those are the things that really kind of ground you, the camaraderie. Give you structure too. Yeah, and I love the camaraderie. I love the team mentality. Uh, The competition, of course, I love it. But it was the training. It was that discipline. Um, And I, I, you know, in my 20s, here I was, you know, working three jobs, working in a bar at night and then going out and then having to, you know, pull up the next day. And My sport just kind of fell by the wayside. My training went down as well. And it was a moment where I thought, hang on a minute this is just i'm losing myself
0: did you ever feel like down about it did you get a little bit depressed
1: Unhappy? no not necessarily i i knew exactly what i needed to do i needed to get back to you know staying on top of of looking after myself and and having that discipline so
0: nobody else told you that you you worked that out yeah, yourself
1: yeah totally it it was it, it was something that i gained at such a young age from 7 through to 10 11 12 um, you know, and you go into those teenage years and then you, you're you out, you know, 1920. 20, um, that I looked back when I was 10 and 12 and thought, I had more discipline, I had more resilience, I had more uh, strength of character, you know, I'd get up in the morning and I, you know, I used to ride my bike to school, but before that I'd ride my bike to the swimming pool and do 20 laps and then ride my bike to school. This is like when I was 12. I don't know, it was just me. You know, I just had that in me and that had gone. So that was when I very quickly went, okay, hang on, stop. So I got back into my sport. And, and what you know, and What back. did your life?
0: I mean, what, what, what changed? I mean, did it improve the way you worked? Or what, I mean, what happened or did you just feel better?
1: It just had me feeling like I was back in the steering wheel. And, um, and you know, I guess, um, in charge of who I am and who I want to be. Uh, and you know, like uh, you mentioned when I was 14 back at school and I did the business pitch to my school mistress about teaching fitness to kids, you know, I knew then the concepts of the discipline and the responsibility and the accountability, um, the mindset of being a a comrade in arms, but also wanting to be a star performer, all these things I'd learned from my sport. And I could see these kids at school that weren't participating in sport. And I felt for them. I felt like they were missing out. But I understand that adults and children can be quite um, you know, overwhelmed by sport and competition. It can frighten them. So I thought, well, why couldn't I try to still allow them to feel these disciplines, but in a different um in a different forum? A less like competitive just competitive environment. A less competitive environment. <clears throat> it's just about exercise. But when you train, as you would know, when you train you find something deep inside of yourself. And you walk away from that training session you think, wow, I went to another place and it's not often in in a world that we live in today in 2018 that we get to get kind of a little bit primal if if, if that's the word, you know, like where you get to have to dig and you have to find something inside of yourself and then you walk away going, all right, I did that. And that's what I think builds such self-esteem and such self-confidence. So that's kind of my rationale behind wanting to, teach fitness classes to the kids that weren't participating in sports. So my schoolmistress gave me the green light and off I went dressed as Jane Fonda, but nonetheless, (laughs) I had to get my mixed tapes together and my leg warmers. Uh, But she was pretty cool then. Well, you know, like. She's still pretty
0: cool. Don't get me wrong. She's she's amazing.
1: Um, But that, you know, like that was a discipline. That was um, something that I really clung to and, and realized that it was something that no one else could take away from me. So in my, now in my adult life. Uh, it's still my dis- my discipline. It's still my rock. You know, we all have moments of tragedy, joy, you know, upset, pain, uh, and there's often times that we can go off the rails because of that. I've, I I'm a big believer that exercise is something that can just bring you back to ground zero and take the sizzle out and have you in know a, a calmer mindset.
0: Now for me, I'd I like to describe as just put me in a fundamental state, just just a fundamental basic state. And structure is really important, I think, for me to survive. I, I can't survive unless I have structure. And I can get unstructured. And, and every now and then, you know, I get that way. And uh, like yourself, I mean, I have to sort of give myself an uppercut and uh, bring myself back into the structured environment, which is which is all those things you said, discipline, etc. I have to bring myself back into it. Um, it's, for me, it's not a natural thing, um, but it's a thing I've, I don't force on myself, but I, I surround myself with structure. I yes, don't find I... natural. Is it natural for you?
1: No. Because I...
0: everyone says, oh, yeah, yeah, like it's natural. It's not natural for me. I mean, I struggle with it sometimes. It, so I, I guess our listeners would like to know how you feel about that.
1: At 5 o'clock or 5.30 on a cold winter's morning, I do not get up out of bed, punch the air and go, yes, I'm Michelle Bridges. Let's go for a 10K run. <laughs> if I was like that, shoot me. Seriously, mm. I'm like anybody else. Um, There's moments, you know, where you think, oh, uh, but as you said, um, you build a structure and you build, I'm a big fan of habits and routines and Mm. rituals and anyone that I've worked with that has gone from zero to hero with their health and their fitness and their wellness, the success has been born through habits, rituals and routines you just keep habitually same bat time, same bat channel, same bat time, same bat channel. Uh, it sounds so boring, um, but you know what? I think us humans we work well when we are in a little bit of a routine.
0: Yeah, I think th- I think that's right. I mean, I think it's been part of our evolutionary success. To be frank with you, um, and 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 we can sort of tend to think about our routines as being sort of part of our process as opposed to other animals who aren't so su- successful, they actually can't um, articulate and think about it. So I think the routine piece is extraordinarily important for sport is a good example or exercise or health, but it's really important for business.
1: Oh my goodness. I All of my uh, principles around my training, I believe, has been the structure and the reason why I've you know, done okay in business because I've simply applied the same, the same principles, the same philosophies with my with my training to my business. They they're, be- they're beautiful. They, they beautifully work together. And it's
0: simple and easy, so easy to understand too, aren't they? You, I mean, there there are simple things like structure and discipline and routine and. You don't have to go to university to no. learn about this stuff. There's no sort of algorithm sitting around them. I've hours. got
1: so many favorite philosophies that go from training across to business, but probably one of my most favorite would have to be when you're in the gym, um, particularly when you're doing weight training and you're wanting to build muscle, you go to fail. Mm. You train your muscle to fail. Why? Because it then will get stronger. And in business, everybody freaks out. What if I fail? Mm you'll get stronger. Mm. It's exactly the same principle. Like we literally on purpose want to fail in the gym because we know that the next day we'll be stronger. So as much as we don't want to go on purpose fail in business, it's a gift. Of course, once you've had your moment to scry and cry and scream and, you know, do whatever you need to do, get over it, give yourself 24 hours. But then after that, you know that, well, if you're smart enough and you're willing to park your ego for a moment there will be a massive lesson in here for you.
0: Totally, oh, and, and, and you're right because when, when your muscle fails, your muscle learns to do something. It grows
1: straight, it and, and gets stronger, and it grows stronger. That's And, that's and the,
0: you learn when you fail in business. And, and you might what, feel
1: like you have broken.
0: And it's funny, you know, like if you go to San, if you go to the Valley, San Francisco today, and you want to raise money for a new venture or with a, from a venture capitalist, even here today, some of the venture capitalists one of the things they ask you is, have you ever failed before? And the answer better not be no, because they actually want to know you have failed before. It's nearly like a prerequisite for investment. Who hasn't? Well, And, and, and a lot of people think that it's a weakness. And, and by the way, 20 years ago, it was considered Probably a weakness. Have, yeah. But today yeah. it's now, it's not uncool to have failed for the reasons you're saying. Like I'm, I'm talking about real intellect around, not like, oh, it's cool to fail. But it's, there is intellect around it because you learn a lot about yourself. We have to go to the break in a minute, but one of the things I want to ask you, you know, it's an important question from my point of view. Do you think you know enough about yourself today as a mature woman um, that keeps you, I don't want to say, I'll say bulletproof um, in terms of survival? Do you know enough about yourself? Are you well aware of yourself today compared to, say, when you were 20?
1: Oh, of course. There's no question, of course, but I know that I've got more to come.
0: Yeah, you're going to learn more, but of
1: course, and if I didn't have more to come, check your pulse. Yeah, yeah, you know that's called life. But of course, I feel. But do that- you feel
0: confident that you have, you know, enough about yourself today. Michelle Bridges, where she is today about yourself in terms of your personality, your character, and all the things that your strengths and weaknesses are? Because I, I think so many people in business don't know what their strengths are. They know what their strengths are, but they don't know what the weaknesses are. Oh, look, are. I
1: absolutely know what my strengths are, and I 100%, 100% know what my weaknesses are, and I'm happy to share them with you. Um, but that being said, I'm also not so naive to think that I haven't got more coming.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, that's, well, and, and- I'm
1: open for it. I'm ready for it and I think probably given where I am right now, I'm probably better armed for it but I don't believe that I've I've learned everything yet. Gosh, like I said, if I think I have, I've checked my pulse because really there's there's a lot more coming and I'm excited about that too.
0: I, I, I want to now start talking about your business. I, I want to start talking about the, the, the evolution of Michelle Bridges from television to books to uh, fitness wear to Food food products to uh, your, pro- your fitness program or your weight loss program. I want to go right through that, that whole process because I think it may not have been purposely driven this way, but it's like a, a Harvard um, study. Because if I was going to write a, a paper for Harvard, or write, I'm, an, I'm a professor at the University of New South Wales, if I write a paper about people like you, I would exactly, you have done every single thing that I would write in a study about how to be successful in the sort of business that you're in.
1: Wow. And I don't know whether you
0: purposely did or not, but I want to <laughs> go through it and I want to know what you thought of and why you did it and what you think the outcomes were and why you'd made the next step. So we just go to the break and we're going to come back. Well, we're back from the break. And Michelle, I just want to fast forward you. like So how old were you when you first arrived in the Big Smoke City?
1: I arrived in Sydney at 26. I'd done my time as a personal trainer as well as a fitness instructor, and I thought I was pretty good at what I did. In fact, I knew I was. I knew I was bad at some things, but I knew I was very, very good at pulling people together and getting them excited about fitness and training. So I thought, right, I'm just going to have a go at my career in Sydney. Um, and I drove across that bridge in my secondhand Holden Sports Girl Barina. <laughs> I had all of my worldly belongings in the back of it. I'm not even joking. This is Fair come the truth. And I had 300 bucks in the bank.
0: I had. Did you have somewhere to stay? I had
1: somewhere to stay on the lounge room floor. Yeah, yeah. Of,
0: That's the way it works.
1: Yeah, of some people who worked in the fitness industry. And I figured, well, they might be able to get me a gig. And there was also a fitness convention. So you didn't have a job here? Not yet, no. no. But I knew I, I knew I was good at it. So I thought, it, yeah,
0: I could do this. There was a the convention on?
1: There was a fitness convention on as well. So I was going to get down there and kind of just network and meet people and I wanted to work for a company by the name of Les Mills. I'd been yeah, doing kn- their Yeah, I know who they are. Very, very, yep. very good p- company. Um, and I was mesmerised by what they'd done to our industry because our industry really needed a shake-up and they came in and did that. And uh, and it really spoke to me because I'd done a lot of um, work in the in the weights arena and they came in with their first offering, which was Body Pump. So I loved it. Anyway, I came to Sydney, got involved with all of that. And um, how'd you
0: get a job with Les Mills? I mean, how'd you, how'd you get the job? I just
1: kicked and screamed and pushed the door in until they finally took yeah, me yeah, on. So
0: you, that, that, <laughs> And By the way, people listen to this. You know, I, I want people to listen. To that Take note. She just kept pushing and I pushing and pushing, pushing until she could get it. Yeah. And I, just...
1: I mean, I had to prove my worth. I, I couldn't just get up there and be smoking mirrors. I had to get up there and actually show but that you I could do it. What did you do? Um... No, I just knew that they were down at the convention. Yep. I'd, I'd been training uh, Body Pump for some time. I knew the product inside out and back to front. Uh, so I you've went, done your research? I, yeah, and I'd been teaching it for, for quite some years already. Uh, and I, I just knew I was good at it. So I just had to get in front of the right people and show them what I could do. Uh, and, you know, and it wasn't easy. Like, they, it's it, you know, even now the fitness industry is hard to get into. It was just as hard back then because uh, everybody wanted to be a part of it. But I... It was something I'd been doing since I was fourteen, and I think it just shone through that I had the capability. But I also had to build some very thick skin and sort of have to sit in the wings, sit in the wings, sit in the wings, be held back, be held back because of this, because of that, because of whatever. Um, you had
0: to do your trade, learn your trade. Yeah. So, what, like, what did you do? Like, so you went, went and worked for Les Mills. Um, that's a big franchise. Yes. So, and and they they just for the people listening. And one of their things was the body pump.
1: Yeah, and then, but then Which there's is, many other products. Just explain what that is for the it's, body pump. It's a, it's a class that goes for 60 minutes yep. with, weights. with weights. So it's, it's all, over body pu- all, yep. all over body workout. Yep. Great workout. And they really did change the fitness industry. Totally. Absolutely. Um, so they sent me, eventually, um, they sent me all around the country training other instru- instructors. And this was all on the weekends and I was still working during the week. So I was literally working seven days a week. Uh, and then they started sending me internationally and I was doing fitness conventions and all the while I was just getting better at my craft, getting better at what I was able to do and how I was able to put it out to the other trainers and do it quickly and succinctly and have it so that they understood it. Uh, and you know, it was, it was definitely in me, but I was getting better and better at it. Uh, and I loved it and I literally did 10 to 12 years, seven days a week. I was working big, big, big hours. I didn't teach any of the, I didn't teach stretch classes or Pilates classes. I taught all the really, really full out hard classes. And I would do upwards of between 25 to 32 classes a week. That's 25 to 32 hours of training. I could eat whatever I wanted. (laughs) And I was very, (laughs) very, I was very, very
0: fit. Because um, you had to demonstrate, because I mean, I, as I recall, there was like a little platform thing you would stand up on, you would show everybody what to do. Yeah.
1: So yeah. while well, I was teaching during the week, mm. um, classes all around Sydney, as well as my, running my own personal training business, as well as then on the weekends going to Melbourne or Brisbane or Perth or even overseas to then um, train other trainers. So I was literally working seven days a week. And was- I remember my girlfriend took me out, I had a weekend off and um, she took me to Bondi Beach. And I remember, so I can still remember it. I said to her, oh, my God, it's Saturday afternoon. I had last night off and today and we still get to go out tonight and we still got tomorrow and tomorrow night. She said, Mish, this is what normal people do. They have a weekend. I was like, oh, my God. It was, for me, it was like a a holiday.
0: So, I mean, again, like why do you think you live that life of, over those number of years working seven days a week, why did you happily do it or did you never think about it? You well, just did
1: it. Uh, like I said to you earlier, I I did the jobs that no one else wanted to do. When I came to Sydney, I thought, right, let's go, you know, put your foot down and put your, your head down, bum up and, and go uh, and give it everything. So I was doing the jobs that everyone else didn't want to do. You know, when there were other trainers in the mix that had the opportunities that maybe wanted to go out and party on the weekends, I'd be the one doing those workshops uh, you know, and I, and I often got a bit bagged for it too. You know, I got a bit of stick.
0: What do you, what do you think? Oh, she just
1: she's just trying to muscle in. Yeah, and she's, she's being she's too conscientious. You know, she's
0: full on. Yeah, yeah, she's really
1: full on. She's so ambitious. Yeah, like yeah. it was ambitious, a dirty yeah. word. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I just felt like I had no one else to really rely, lean on, other than myself. Like, of course, my family were there, but um. This was, this was a time that I really had to kind of just personally prove to myself something. And I knew that I was good at it. I, I also knew that I'm equally not good at many, many things, but this was something I knew I was intrinsically from a very young age good at.
0: And you loved it too. And I loved it. Yeah. And because, and, and, you know, like that's skilling up. I mean, anyone who goes into business at this stage, you're not in business for yourself. You're working for Les Mills or the franchise. Um, you were scaling up, but, but I think I just, when I was listening to you then I I thought, well, maybe one of the things that she learned in that process is this, the concept of scaling your business because they were scaling the business around the world. Oh yeah. And you probably maybe didn't articulate in your own mind, but you probably thought, you know, you probably got this exposure to what scaling a business up is like.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, there was very much, um, some really great learnings in that company for me and I, I am very humbled uh, that I was a part of it particularly as it was growing at, in the fledgling years when it came to, to Australia. Um, there was a lot of learning around management. There was a lot of learning around just um, coordinating uh, with regards to, you know, the choreography and getting that to other gyms, working with the management of other clubs and helping them, you know, build a club that's successful. So, yeah, I, I really was cutting my teeth in, in that way as well. So when it came an opportunity for me to be a part of, the biggest loser, I it, it kind of I what don't know, it was, it was Wouldn't, a timing thing. How'd you get
0: cast into that? I mean, it's so
1: I, funny. Like, um, <clears> I'd said to all my friends, I'd seen the American version, I was like, oh my god, that is such an awesome show! I could so do that show, I want that job. Not ever thinking that it would ever be something that would come to Australia, but I'd certainly always thought about it and said it to my friends. And then I had a phone call from a lady by the name of Kirsty DeValence from a cast of thousands. And she rang me. Apparently my name had been thrown in the ring for very quietly. They kind of went out and sourced people in the industry because it was coming to Australia and I didn't even know. Hi, uh, it's Kirsty Devalence from Cast of Thousands. Um, Michelle, we'd like to see if you'd like to come in for a a casting for the female trainer of Australian Biggest Loser. And I said on the phone, Louise, thinking it was my girlfriend, bugger off. I so know it. Stop. Come on, shut up. She's like, no, it's not Louise. It's Kirsty DeBalance. and I was like, oh shit, shit. Ah, oh, yeah, no problem. Like, I thought, oh my god, I've already lost the job. But so it, this, um, this casting was like, it was so harrowing. It went for four and a half months. No, four and a half months. They wanted to get the right person for the job. So I had fitness tests. I had. Audience testing. I had to get tested with this guy, with that guy, with this person, with that person. When it finally got down to the psychological testing, um, my friends were like, "I think you've got it," because you know they just need to know you're not an axe murderer, and yeah. you've got it. Yeah, a, so, a spice show up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that'll show up at some point. Yeah. Uh, so in the end, it was just like, "Give me the job or not," and but then I got it, and I was like, "Unbelievable! This is my whole world. Just went boom." And so in my mind, I thought, okay, this girl is your chance to really do something with everything that you've learned and with the motivation to want to get that message out to as many people as possible.
0: Um, Can I stop you? Is that an underlying thing, an underlying theme for Michelle Bridges that that there's a message I want to get out there? There's, I want to tell people that. You've got the ability to take control of your life and be fit or happy or healthy or or all those things. Is that that an underlying theme?
1: Absolutely. Like I I know a lot of people who maybe aren't into health and fitness will look at me and go, oh, you know, she's that girl that teaches people how to do burpees and push-ups and eat lettuce, blah. But as you would know, Mark, fitness has a massive knock-on effect and a huge impact onto every facet of your life. Mm from your confidence, the way you handle yourself, the way you can stay calm in hot situations, to be able to know that, yes, I can get up those stairs with these suitcases or, you know, I can play with my kids or, you know, if, there, if, if it came to crunch time, I could literally run three miles if I had to to get to a phone or, you know, those kind of situations. You've got the confidence within yourself. But not only that, you just have more vibrance, you have more energy. And I think, you know, if, if everyone Australian could feel that just for a day they would be they'd buy in straight up.
0: And and that's sort of like your, you know, you're sort of democratizing health, making it available for everybody. That I mean that's 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 well, we, what you're like do. We all deserve it. Yeah, everyone deserves it. I everyone mean, deserves it. It. you know, I go t- totally. out
1: to schools, I go out to corporates, I've even gone out to prisons. Um, and I've even copped flack for going out to prisons. But I still believe that everyone, regardless of your circumstances, deserves to understand how to have a healthier um, more active life and and that will have a huge impact on the rest of your life
0: yeah and i, I it's that's sort of an interesting phenomenon because you're you're you apart from having all you know, built up all these skills that you know working with Les Mills and then having this great opportunity because the TV show came to stream I and mean, that's something you had no control of it just happened but you know fortunately you'd put yourself in the position where I think you become it was just yeah, it was some, just a timing yeah but yeah, but Michelle if you hadn't have spent those seven days a week and only taken a weekend off here and there you probably you know whether you had the reputation as being ambitious or uh, full on or Little, you know, conchy girl, like whatever. It doesn't matter. Pushy, whatever. Yeah, you got noticed. I
1: did. Yeah, I did. And um, you know, like I have to say, um, it was Carl Fennessy who,
0: so Fremantle uh, Media did the show. Yeah,
1: at the time it was Crackerjack.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. Um.
1: So it was. It was some years ago, and he believed in me. Um. You know, I was only thinking about this interview earlier today, and and uh, you know the the kinds of things we probably talk about. And I sent him a text saying, Oh, Carl, I just want to say hi and thank you. You know, he he really believed in me. Well,
0: by the way, it's Mark Fennessey's brother, who yes. got, got me to do the apprentice.
1: Right. Well, you know, they're they're quite they're quite um they're on the They're, Mark. Yeah, they're yeah. on they're yeah. on the they're on the pulse. Yeah, yeah. Um and he believed in me and he was the one that kind of wanted me to have that yeah, role. But he believed
0: in you because he must have known something about you because they're not gonna make mistakes, these guys. They don't want to fail. They'd never want to fail. They're they're pretty good. They they're good at what they do, and then, as you can see from all the various businesses they've been in, all the shows that they produced the great successes. And there would have been something about you that come from not only you had a good skill, but you were building a reputation about yourself from doing it the way you did it. And I think that people listening to the show probably think, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll get there and I'll, I've got this great idea and in two years' time we'll be doing what Michelle Bridges has done. Well, Michelle Bridges has just spent 12 years building her yeah. skill base, building her reputation yeah. so that when an opportunity did arise, they go, oh, she was lucky.
1: No, no. No, I'd been doing it since I was 14 oh, and totally. then the show turned up when I was 35.
0: Totally. So you, you, you <laughs> put in and you and that's how it works. Yeah, and you, and then, and then, even then, you still had to fight for the position because you were probably cast with three or four others, and of you had course. to. And, and there's there was a little bit of luck in that because whoever was your co-pilot in the show, um, that ends up being your husband, didn't it?
1: No, well, Shannon was the main male trainer, Shannon right. Ponton, right? Okay, and Steve, uh, my partner, he he was sort of in the background. He was there, uh, but he was kind of. Put in the background because he was like the you know the missing link. You know it was all very smokes-y. mysterious. It was guy. it was kind of fun, um, but yeah, it was uh, it was definitely. So, but that, a that, that mixture
0: there's a bit of luck in that part. But generally speaking, I mean, you would not have got. An, an opportunity to experience the luck if you hadn't done all the heavy lifting. Oh, there's
1: absolutely no way. The heavy there's lifting no is important no way part. I could
0: have got so that So where did role. it drop you? I mean, you, like you, you, how many se- se- uh, seasons did we you We did do? nine seasons. Nine seasons. So you became famous from that show. I mean, and TV does that. But what were you thinking? Because, you know, you've got to capitalise. I know so many people, men and women, who have done TV shows, successful TV shows and done brilliantly and put in all the hard work like you have, skill themselves up, but they never really do anything with the uh, – the position they're put in after the show, when did you start thinking to yourself, well, it's I'm going like to do any, something with this? It's
1: like any business. You have to have your exit plan before you've even started. You have to understand that th- 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 this isn't going to last, potentially last forever. The sun will only shine for a while, so you better get busy because this show could la- this show could be over one in, season. in one season. So, so leverage. I, I was like, right, let's get busy. So I had ideas around a book. I'd sort of almost written about a third of a book already. I had ideas around uh, fitness DVDs, around, um, fitness equipment. I had all these ideas. Uh, and I knew that, you know, this was my time. I had to go now, uh, to springboard off this opportunity. And it wasn't as though I was doing it because I wanted to be some, you know, entrepreneur. Well, you weren't just trying like, to make
0: millions of dollars. No, either.
1: I was just really excited yeah, about yeah, the yeah. idea of reaching so many people. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah you know, it was, it was phenomenal. So I did get very busy and I had, I shopped around my book to seven different publishers, all of which said, no, 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 no. Fitness has all been done before, blah, blah, blah. I was like, but not like me. And then finally I got a book deal and it was a bestseller. And that was like 16 books ago. Um, it, it was just a a time and, and I learned You've got to
0: update Wikipedia, by the way. They've got you in there for 12 books. Oh, and that
1: needs to be updated. I counted them, actually. That needs <laughs> to be updated. Um, but I did almost a decade on that show, which was like a complete and utter master's degree in psychology of working yeah. with people. Yeah. So that-, that gave me even more depth. I'm so grateful for that show. I learned so much on that show.
0: And then, how did you? When did you say I'm gonna? When did you decide I'm gonna do twelve WBT? I mean, how did that all come about? What, yeah, why, well, that was that was your first foray into business off the back of the show, would that be right?
1: I guess so. Uh, real apart oh, from the book, really like big I mean. biz books and other bits and bobs. But yeah, um, twelve week came about because everybody wanted me to train them, and I kind of been working with people online through via email, and I just thought, ah, there's something here. There's something here. There's something here. I had a friend who was in the fitness industry. Her partner at the time, who's now her husband, was an internet geek. And I said, you know, there's something. We Surely we can mm. – and they were like, no, we can't see it. We mm. 18 months down the track, they came back to us and they came back to me and said, yeah, I think we can see something. And I'd already written my first book, Crunch Time, which was a 12-week program, So like any good fitness people, we sat at the pub over a bottle of wine and (laughs) um, literally within a couple of hours had figured it out. And the very next day, and this is when I talk about action, the very next day, we were down the park with a bloke that we knew that had a fairly good camera. (laughs) My girlfriend was on her hands and knees with my butcher's paper script. And I'm like, hi, my name's Michelle Bridges. How would you like me to be your personal trainer? And we put up a splash page. We just went, 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 Um, and we were looking at each other. Amelia and myself—we both owned fitness clubs before. We'd both been personal trainers before, and we went, "Oh my god, maybe, maybe, like, three hundred people, maybe might actually do this." Like, you know, and that they all pay ten bucks a month. Amazing, you know. My God, that's pretty good. Who needs to own a gym and pay rent? You know, this would be incredible, and we could reach so many more people all over the country. And that was um, what year? That was, what, what, what was talking about? two thousand and ten.
0: Two ten. Wow.
1: So we're nearly nine years now, which in the world of online is like ninety years. Mm. Um, well, every man,
0: there's nothing going on.
1: Nah. No, no. Um, and that was all based, kind of, pretty much from the premise of crunch time, my first book, uh, and it was phenomenal.
0: And how many? How many members? did you actually get? I mean, all roundabout. I mean, I I guess it changes all the time, but sort of what was your peak?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, over the course of years, we've had hundreds of thousands of people do it. Um, The first year, I can't even remember. We might've got about 600 maybe in the first year. I'm actually pulling that figure straight out of my butt, Mark, just to let you know. But the funny thing was is that first year, like I was online answering questions and, you know, we were filming stuff out of my lounge room. We had no money. Like it was just all smoke and mirrors, you know, and I'm doing the show at the same time trying to get back in time to do like a live feed. Not that I even knew what that meant at the time. Um, And it was straight out of my lounge room with some dodgy poster behind me that kept falling down. Um, and then we sort of said, oh, you know, God, we should, um, at the end of the 12 weeks, we should like have a party or something. I don't know. Should we, yeah, let's do that. Well, there's people all over the country. Well, why don't we just have a party in Sydney and see who wants to come? And then we're like, maybe we should do like a workout because you know, that's what the whole thing is about. So we said, well, all right, let's just put it out there. Michelle's going to be the domain at this time to do a lunchtime workout. And then the party will be in the evening. I think we had it somewhere down in Darling Harbour. So, this was the first time we turned up to this workout. It's the very first time I latched eyes with these people, like for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, as you do, burst into bloody tears. (laughs) I was such a wuss. I did 10 burpees just to, you know, pull myself together. Uh, it was incredible. Like, I had all these people that we'd been working with online, suddenly they were in front of me, and, and it was just um, a real big moment, because nine years down the track, we've changed, we have changed people's lives. I we've read lost, somebody, like, 1.6 million kilos.
0: I was going to say, I read some of those, like, millions of kilos of weight's been lost for a whole lot of people in Australia. Yeah.
1: It was, um... It, it's a
0: great achievement. How do you feel about that, like, the little girl from uh, Newcastle?
1: It's not often that I sit down and really think about it, you mm-hmm. know, um and there's times when i have been you know in a line of people signing for a book or something and you know one after the other that you've changed my life you've changed my life they yeah. break down in tears and it actually becomes a little bit overwhelming like i i think god like it's it's um it is a little overwhelming do you
0: realize you are Michelle Bridges
1: well not at the, in that moment i think jesus we really have done something here but it's not often i go there but it, it's it's beautiful like I, I you know when I meet people it happens every day on the street at the airport in the supermarket I can tell you at least at least once but probably more like five times a day every day what Someone is will it say about you've you. done my you uh, you helped my mom you help my dad you help my sister you've helped me
0: but what is it about you that made people gravitate to Michelle Bridges to do it but what is it about what, what do you think it is about you? Like why – I'd like to know what your view is, but why – I have my own views, but why do they want to do it with you? They want to, you to take them through the program. Is it just because you made it available and no one else did or why? Why, why, why Michelle Bridges? Um, is it because you're on TV? What? Oh, what?
1: Well, look, I think television certainly helps and anybody who says it doesn't is but why do they trust kidding you? themselves. What is it about you that they trusted? I Look –
0: have you ever done any analysis, like market analysis, around that? I mean, have you ever had someone sort of do uh, focus groups and why does Michelle yeah, Bridges look, resonate?
1: I think um, yes, that's been done, and um, you know it came back. It came back one time. They said she's flawsome. I said, what the yeah. hell does, flawsome, King flawsome mean? <laughs> And they said, well, that you've got flaws. You're a real person. Yeah. You. You know, like all of us, you make mistakes. You know, you you d- and you don't ever profess to be anything other than that. Um, You're real, but um, and but I also get results,
0: and they trust you.
1: You, I want them they to trust, trust you to get the result that they want. Yeah, yeah, because I can, I know I can do it, and I'm. I think also. Um, but
0: is how you is it how you project yourself? Like, is it how you speak oh to them? Gosh, I mean, it's so
1: funny this conversation, but
0: <laughs> but no, I think people need to like to know. I'd like to know too. I mean, do you do you think that is because Do you go out of your way to project yourself the way you're projecting yourself now? or Is this this natural? Is this you?
1: Yeah, well, yeah. This is me now. And I suppose um,
0: I can can cut down to
1: the the chase with someone. So I'll kind of, and maybe I've been, because I've been doing this for a long time, people will allow me to do it. I don't know whether that's the case. You've earned the right, yeah. Maybe I've earned the right, but I can literally, I guess, in a couple of minutes start asking some pretty raw questions. Um, which, when someone's ready to to hear it and answer it, can make a fairly large impact in a very short period of time, and that's just been through experience, and and it's also. But because why do they give
0: you permission to do it? Why why do people give you Michelle Bridges permission to do that? What is it about you? Come uh, on, and uh, 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 I'm, I'm not expecting. A well, because I, I'm you, prepared you,
1: you... to ask those questions of myself as well. Yeah, I think, I think you
0: know the answer. Tell me what it is. What is it about you that why do people warm towards you? Why do they let you do it?
1: Well, it's, gosh, it's hard to put my finger on that question. It's, um, I love them.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's what comes across. It's your message.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. I really, I really care about the people that I work mm. with.
0: No, I can see it. I can see it. You You believe it. You're real. That's real.
1: I'm gonna no, have
0: to it's do not, burpees. It's not, it's not, it's not I, I
1: I mean I work with these people on the ground and these are ladies and men that, you know, they've just had a struggle and it's been really hard for them and they haven't understood why and they've been brought up in a in a landscape or an environment that they haven't known any better. And when you don't know better, you don't have the opportunity to possibly do better. But when you know better, then you have got that opportunity. And they're so grateful. They're so grateful that, oh my God, you showed me how to shop. You showed me how to buy groceries you showed me how to cook
0: you have provided and, clothes that, that that will fit me yeah
1: and now okay. i can pass that on to my kids so they're just 100% so grateful um and that you know that's that's powerful
0: so it's they're, they're
1: teaching themselves can i
0: if if i could be so um bold as to just put it down in my, just in my simple terms um those you have you have identified and you've told those people they have the right. They have the right to be and, and experience and enjoy the same things that you've experienced, enjoyed as being healthy and fitness. You, you've identified that to them. You've told them. You've got the right. And equally, they see you as someone, I think, who believes that you've got the obligation. Michelle Bridges has the obligation to deliver it to them. And there's a perfect marriage. Right. I've got the right to get it and here's the person who's, got, who's prepared to do it for me.
1: You will, I, I won't do it for them, yeah. but I, I will certainly about, give them the guidelines and I'll hold it. their hand and there'll be a lot of tears and there'll be a lot of anxieties. And you're and not going to judge them. There's no point in doing that. Mm. Um, you know, we all come from different backgrounds, but how beautiful is it when you can see like someone going, wow, I, ha- I can see for myself a future that I never thought possible, dreamed about it, but never thought possible. Uh, and it's not, it's not, Mark, it's so not about losing weight and getting into a size, whatever. This is stuff that has a massive profound Im- impact on how a person feels about themselves and who they are moving into their own life and then having kids and, you know, the kind of confidence that they can then instill in their children. This isn't just about losing weight. Yeah. It's so much more than that.
0: It's, it's, uh, for me, I find it, Fascinating that uh, you're so um, modest about it. I don't know if you understand you. You've actually created a monstrous business, but which is, you know, that's that's the money side of it, I guess, and and the success, so called success side of it. But you've actually started off a movement. And that's not man, cool. Not many people start movements off, Then not many people actually get to start a of movement off and or success successfully do what you've done. There's a movement.
1: I would like to think that I kind of maybe inspired others to kind of follow in the same footpath. Totally.
0: People are following you. People are trying to do what you do. And the greatest form of admiration is emulation and people are emulating what you've done. And that's why I was so excited to know that you were going to come on the show because I know people, you know, we, we get a lot of people listening to the show. hundred thousand people will be listening to this show and they, a whole lot of those people would like to do something like you you've done, not necessarily in your industry, but in other industries as well. And that—that's to me one of the greatest achievements in life you can do or be part of is creating or be part of the creation of a movement. You've done that.
1: Thank you. That's very kind. Um, that's a big deal. Appreciate that. It's a you, big deal. You, Mark Boris, has said that. But that's a big deal. Uh, I, you know, it's... health and health and fitness
0: and all that other all the stuff that you're trying to describe earlier on about you know it's not just. Being healthy and fit and wearing a size eight or a size twelve or going from a sixteen to a twelve or from a twenty six to a, a twenty, it's not just that. It's, there's a whole lot of other stuff going with it. But today there is a massive movement around this, and it's 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 like you, you. Uh, took the Les Mills movement, which was sort of quite small and isolated, relatively speaking, to what you've done and what's going on in the world today. But you sort of took that and you amplified. You actually scaled up what Les Mill, what you learned at Les Mills. Yeah,
1: it's I guess so. Like I know that they're very proud of me, even though I, you know, I've, I no longer work with them. I'm still very much a part of their family. Um,
0: and there, and there's a massive movement in this in the whole world today. It's not just in Australia, but globally. I mean, at least in the developed countries, around this sort of stuff. And you're. You're at the lead of it. I mean, you're not going to own it. You can't own it, but you're going to be you're you're a you've been a massive part of a change in the way people live their lives. I'd like forward. to
1: think so, and I, I do believe we have we've done that. I've made inroads, and I say me, I, my team as well. Like I have an incredibly passionate team uh, who are equally as excited as I am when we see that we can make changes in people's lives.
0: You know, like, so, and I did say before we when we uh, before the break or or after I can't remember now, but. If I was writing a lecture series for students at the university where I teach, and I was trying to talk about um, the the hallmarks hallmarks of success, um, I just want to quickly go through it. I mean, uh, for the people listening and for yourself, and and I, I think it's worth marking out is that you used a TV platform, and I don't mean it in a bad way, but you used a TV platform to, to establish yourself as a brand and push your message through as a brand. At the same time, doing the right thing by the TV show because it went for nine seasons. So obviously what you did for the TV show was very successful. Yeah. At the same time, what you did is you borrowed from the TV show and you built Michelle Bridges as a brand, which is the greatest, it's the cheapest way to build a brand because you didn't have to spend, you know, it was probably two or three million bucks a series. Um, you didn't have to spend any, all, any of that money. Uh, the TV station, the broadcaster did that and, and Fremantle did that or Cracker and the, but you were smart enough to use that platform. So today, the platforms that people use are internet and you know, um, you know, Instagram, and Facebook. They're different platforms, but people use those platforms today. But you were smart enough to use that platform and get someone else to spend the money. But what I thought was, what I think is really great, the steps that you've taken is apart from the books. Their books, you know, for people listening, books are really important to establish your yeah, brand they, and they're, tell
1: they're the they're story. Really, they're, they're strong, but
0: they're, they're not. You they, know. They, they don't get quite get there, but they're, they're they are, they are a. Necessary ingredient, but not a sufficient ingredient. Another necessary ingredient is to have a platform to um, tell your story, which is and to and to, and to push your message out, which is the TV platform. But today, digital platform does the same thing. But then, what you did, what I think, was really good. Was you you then. Executed on 12 WBT, and I don't even know what, to, to, what 12 week body body transformation. Bo- body transformation I There you go. I don't even know what it means, but I know what 12 uh, WBT is.
1: It was a real movement, at yeah. the t- you know, and when, it's big, it, when it, it started. And now it now has its it, own
0: name because it's, it's actually in the vernacular of Australia. It, 100%. And that is a, a good example where it becomes a movement. 12, yeah. WBT, 12 WBT means something. It doesn't mean a uh, twelve-week body transformation. It means it means a whole lot of other stuff. Yeah, it does. And 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 that's and then from there you've gone into uh, you're in um, um, BW. W Yeah, so, so I got, was
1: I was very proud ambassador of a big global companies, but I just knew that you know a mother of three with a mortgage, you know a pair of tights for a hundred and twenty bucks or a top for eighty dollars is just – And you've
0: just, got to be a size size eight to wear it. Well, they I only
1: it. went up to size fourteen.
0: Right there you go.
1: So I just thought I. If I'm going to be true to who I am and what I'm saying and who I'm talking to, then I need to um, do something different. And so I went and pitched myself to Big W and the concept um, quite upfront about it. Uh, and, but then they were a bit unsure, but then they they kind of, they got it. Um, there was a guy that um that that believed in the in the idea and the concept, and off we went. And so that's been in the market now for six years. So we were doing up to size twenty six, which I was, and we still do now, which I'm really proud of. Um, I think that's because brilliant. there was no one else doing it. Everybody was size fourteen, and that was it.
0: I think it was brilliant. So uh, t- twenty six. I mean, in other words, it's inclusive. Again, it was d- democratizing. It's about being
1: inclusive. It's
0: democratizing what you stand for.
1: Yeah. It's about everyone, everyone deserves it. Yeah. Everyone should look cute. Everyone should feel cute when they walk out the door. Everyone should have a new outfit and not have to feel like they've got to wear their husband's basketball t-shirt to go and train in. Totally. They can actually wear a cute outfit just like anybody else, regardless of whether, what its size and is. And tell
0: me about the food.
1: So uh, it The just, recipes. It made sense to me um, that, that that was a process or a place that I wanted to go to. I'm a... I'm a cook from home girl. I teach people on my program in all of my books to cook from scratch, even to grow your own vegetables if possible, or even have your own herb garden, but to cook from scratch. But I'm also a realist. I'm a realist. Not everybody will cook from scratch every single night of the week of the year, unless you live on a far remote property where you have
0: to. And Pete Evans or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Most people won't. I don't. So the real the realist part of me thought, well, If the wheels are going to fall off and on a Thursday I look in my fridge and go, oh, there's nothing and I've got to take my kids to netball, basketball, cricket, whatever, um, and I want to have something that's convenient but not have it that it's going to completely derail all of my good healthy eating, surely we can have something in the marketplace that can allow for that, that has that convenient factor but still clean and still possibly even might – allow someone to try a flavour or a texture or a a legume that they've never tried before. And I'm talking going out into, you know, middle Australia. So, you know, there's a couscous or there's a, um, a chickpea or something that people go, I've never had this before.
0: No, no, they've had it once. Either if they've never had it before, they have the worst wind after it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's just but, my experience but, uh, anyway. But the ingredients read clean, <laughs> so that people don't feel as though they're completely, you know, blowing themselves off off what they've already set themselves yeah, yeah. up for good, good healthy eating. So it's like a bit of a plan a- B for when life just happens. And
0: where do they get it? I mean, how do you how do you um... Distribute this.
1: So this is through Woolworths. So it it was again. It was another project that I'd been sitting in the wings for, trying hard for about three years to get this off the mark.
0: And what's it called? What's it called? It's called Delicious Nutritious. Delicious Nutritious. It's
1: been there. It's been now in the market for about three or four years. But it took about two years in the in the process of trying to just get the pitch, and then it took another two years just to get it on the shelf like there was a long process and it was a lot of me back and forth with the uh, recipe designers and the people that work at headquarters of Woolworths and the head chefs and, you know, making sure and and going into battle of, no, I don't want it to be, you know, I don't want it to have that ingredient. It's got to have this ingredient and, you know, having Woolies believe in in this process. Um, And then of course, you know, when you want to have particular fresh produce or produce that comes from Australia, then that takes the price up. So then you've got to go into bat on that. Um, you know, and we're talking about a big company like Woolies who it's got to kind of still be commercial for them. It's
0: got to stack up.
1: Exactly. You would know it's, all about
0: it's it. It's got to sell. It's got to have the right price line. It's got to have the right ingredients. It's got to appeal to their marketplace. It, you know.
1: And so that was a massive learning well, curve. Well, yeah. And,
0: and you're, so what you've done, you've actually been able to squeeze every bit of life out of the opportunity you've been given. Um, through all the various steps you've taken in your in your business life you've squeezed it out you're selling food you've sold books you're selling you've sold DVDs in the past you've got your online um, courses toward you've got um, your your. Um, what do they call it, active wear, <laughs> leisure wear. you got it. you got it, hard yeah. goods. Uh, and you've got, you got the stuff that you, you need to and take to gym, And kitchenware as well. Yeah. So, I mean, well, that's the most important thing. And I think everyone needs to understand this. I mean, that's that's what I said about if I was writing a, a a review of what you do to be successful in a certain strain of any sort of product and or service, you've got to try and squeeze every piece out.
1: Yes. Because you've got
0: to do all the steps. The steps are build the brand, leverage the brand, um, try and get someone else to spend the money to build the brand because otherwise build, brand building can send you broke quickly. Um, and most people don't realise. They've got a great idea, great product, but then then I say, to them, well, well, how are you going to build the brand around this? How are you going to make people aware of it? Yeah. And you're not going to get investors to just throw money at it anymore. It just doesn't work.
1: It doesn't work like that anymore. It doesn't work anymore.
0: And – You've been able to identify each one of those steps and what you did to get the, get onto that brand building exercise with the TV show, you had to spend 12 years, maybe a lot longer, at least 12 years, skilling yourself up in the mills environment and and all the stuff you did prior to that. And you had to make some big choices. You know, you had to make some big changes. You went from Newcastle to Sydney on your own with 300 bucks in your car.
1: Yeah. And it, slept on the lounge. And there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of um, things that went wrong too. Like it's, it hasn't been all... Rosie. I'm, sure, I'm sure it hasn't. There's been a lot of uh, challenges and turmoil and tragedies and, you know, breakdowns and, you know, marriage breakdown and, you know, all sorts. A lot of sacrifices. Um, but, you know, that being said, so much beauty in all of it as well. Like I've, I've met so many people around the country and I've been involved in people's lives and in their lounge rooms. And, you know, it, I almost didn't have a child. Like I almost didn't have a child and I'm so grateful that I did. I've kind of all done it back to front. Um, I had it late in life. It. It's a boy. Him. Him. Um, What's his name? Axel. Axel. Uh, But, you know, I I listened to – I've always said, you know, I don't want to be the girl that wants to have it all, even though my mom was in the 80s era of you can have it all. I think having it all just – you end up having a mental nervous breakdown – Um, but Dame Quinton Bryce the other day at a luncheon that I was at, she said, of course you can have it all. And I was like, hang on a minute. I don't believe in that. And then she said, but you just can't have it all at once. And I thought, bang on sister. Mm. You just have to choose your chapters Mm. and read that chapter really well and say no to other chapters until that chapter's finished and then go to the next one. But trying to have it all, I think is almost, well, some may feel that they can do that and good luck to them. But I'm not one of them. I've
0: seen people try it and they go crazy.
1: I'm I'm not one of I'm not it that burns girl. Them up. Yeah, and look, I've been down that path as well. You know, like I was talking about challenges and you know moments. There's been many a moment where I, where I've seriously questioned my state of mind because I've just worked been working so ridiculously stupid hours. So those days are gone. <laughs> And, um, I'm landed
0: though, you've, you, and, and there's a, I guarantee, you know, your energy is going to evolve. And the great thing is, I know that you're the sort of person that's going to evolve with it or even ahead of it. Cause that's your game. You, you're not going to, you're not going to put up, just um, hang up your boots now. I mean, you're, you're just really starting. I mean, it, there's, I mean, there's a lot of new things ahead of, ahead for you. Is that right? Or you feel uh. like you're slowing it down a bit?
1: Certainly, I'd like to be able to spend as much time as possible with Axel and really be a part of his life. And I can see the value in that. And I just, I just want to. Um, but he's going being, to
0: have to fit in with your life, though.
1: No, no, no. I'll fit in with his. He'll fit in with mine. It'll yeah, be a bit yeah. of a balance. Mutuality. Yeah. Um, but you're quite right. This is a a new era in the fitness world, and many can say it's all smoke and mirrors and Insta famous, bloody blah. Hmm. Um, but there's there's some exciting parts to it and i would like to think that maybe i could um be instrumental in giving it some guidance and uh giving it some new um opportunities and you know cutting through the smoke and mirrors of what you may see out there and really you know having the cream rise to the to the top as it always inevitably does and I'd love to be a part of that and help mentor that as, as you do now. Yeah. You
0: know, pay it forward. Michelle yeah. Bridges is going to pay it forward.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. I, you know, I've said this before, but I do feel at this point in time probably have not this is, I'm just getting started, just getting warmed yeah. up.
0: Well, Michelle Bridges, you've been fantastic. This has been, this has been an awesome discussion. I Thank really you. enjoyed it's it. It's been fun. It's, it's been so good. And thanks, uh, thanks for your honesty and, uh, and, Sort of bearing your soul a little bit for us, because you know most times we get to read articles about you, and and you know it gets condensed into so many pages, and it gets sanitised, etc. And people can't say everything about you. And you've been really honest, and you've told us, you've showed us some uh, real insights into yourself. It's been fantastic. Thank you.
1: It's been my pleasure. And um, of course, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have done it for anyone else, Mark Morris. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Oh,